0: Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast, brought to you by Fund Caliber. I'm Darius McDermott, and today we're joined by Martin Lau, elite-rated manager of the First State Greater China Growth Fund. Martin, thank you for your time. Thank you, Darius. Um, you've been manager on the fund since two thousand mm. and three, and you will have learned, I'm sure, a lot. There will have been a lot of changes in the marketplace in China. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us a brief summary of some of the major things that have changed at a market conditions level since mm. since you began running this fund?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question, Darius. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, well, I think the um, you know we I've been managing this uh, Greater China um, uh, fund uh, since uh, two th- since two thousand and three. Uh, So it's been like 16 years and I've been running China funds for like 25 years. I think one of the major uh, things which has uh, been quite um, rewarding over the years is that we've seen a significant increase in depth uh, for the uh, China stock market. And that that was actually before uh, the China-Asia market even opened up. If you think about some of the top uh, Chinese companies uh, that we are talking about today, like Alibaba, Tencent, or, or some of the really uh, you know uh, leading uh, technology companies, uh, these companies were actually just founded uh, 20 years ago and, and listed, uh, give and take uh, five or 10 years ago, uh, except Tencent. Uh, but then you know, since over the last um, you know uh, 15 years, we've seen a significant uh, increase in the market depth. The number of companies uh, that investors like us uh, can choose from, and as the bottom-up investors like us uh, at first date, uh, this is actually a very important uh, thing. And the second thing, which um, alongside with that, is actually the um, the opening up of, of this Asia uh, uh, Asia market. Asia market, as you probably know, is actually the second largest stock market globally, uh, with eight trillion U.S. dollar market. Yeah, huge, cap, isn't it? Yeah, and for, uh, nearly four thousand listed. Uh, on the market. So, again, the you know these days, uh, on average, uh, uh, like once every two or three weeks, we'll be uh, visiting, visiting different parts of China, seeing a number of different uh, Asia companies. And in, our, in our view, uh, that is going to be extremely important in generating performance over the next uh, 10 years. We believe among these uh, uh, nearly 4,000 companies, there are some really good ones, and, and we believe we can be a long term shareholders of. Excellent. Um, with
0: your style which which uh, you know investors have enjoyed for a long time good corporate governance um is, has always been something which which you and your team have looked for how easy is it f- to find good corporate governance and has that actually changed and improved over over the last 10 plus years
1: yes uh, i mean corporate governance is an area that we focus a lot and I would say corporate governance has definitely improved over the last 10 years. Uh, in terms of the absolute uh, corporate governance, you still cannot compare uh, against the Western standard of like, um, you know, corporate governance, uh, uh, AB123 type of uh, standard. Uh, one major difficulty when it, when it comes to corporate governance in China is uh, the uh, state ownership. 70-80% uh, or more of the companies are still owned by the government. So just like in Britain, maybe you know in the past, uh, you know British Telecom, BP, etc. Whenever government owns a stake in, in a company, there's a natural misalignment of interest yes. uh, between the government and you as a minority shareholder. So we do have that. Uh, what we've um, learned over the years is that even, uh, first of all, even state-owned companies, there are some good corporate governance, well-managed state-owned companies with a strong franchise. Uh, so it's, it's state-owned ownership is not necessarily ideal. But even among state ownership, uh, you know, companies, we still can find some good ones. The opposite of the spectrum is, of course, people talk about VIE structure. It may not be for the internet companies. Uh, you may not have the actual ownership. Of the underlying business for those are internet companies, but again, something which we've learned over the years is you know VIE structure is one structure, but even among the different VIE structures, there are different arrangements. So it's a bit simplistic to say that they are all bad. They're yeah, all bad. Yeah. So it's a learning experience for all of us, and and our, our intention or plan is actually to identify uh, co- those companies with good quality management, which we can travel uh, with, as in they would continue to improve their corporate governance. They may not be ideal as of today, but they're making improvements. One
0: of the key things in the Greater China Growth Fund, which I've always really liked, was your ability to invest in Taiwan and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. You know, There was always times in markets where yeah. you're just likely, as a manager, to be less cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've always pointed it to Taiwan and Hong Kong as sort of more defensive markets.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: is that something that – is that actually true? And, and, and you know, how, how much do you use those markets?
1: Uh, yes uh, uh that's actually very true there is um the, the the way that we look at it is um you know china in a bigger uh, uh, form is actually um, i mean taiwan wouldn't like this comment but taiwan and uh, hong kong included as a, you know if we want a greater china economy uh what actually happened within those uh, free markets is because they are under slightly different uh, liquidity cycles. So at times, for example, the China Asia's market last year were the, was the worst performing. Uh, and this year, Asia's shares was actually the best performing. Uh, whereas uh, Hong Kong market, sometimes when it might perform better when interest rate expectation was that interest rate would fall. And Taiwan is an export-oriented uh, economy. So whenever people are positive about external demand, it might perform better. So by combining the three together, we, we managed to maneuver around the different kind of extremes in different market and diversify out uh, the risk uh, for the portfolio. And also if you take a, a long-term view, which we certainly do, uh, the three markets are actually very different. Uh, China market is known for its big uh, domestic demand, uh, domestic market. Uh, there are lots of emerging technologies within China, like uh, internet companies. So that's mm-hmm. very unique uh, for China and also the uh, large number of uh, companies on the AS. In Taiwan, uh, we do have uh, uh, quite a number of leading technology companies like TSMC. Uh, We are shareholders of Advantech and Delta Electronics. These are good quality companies. They tend to export. So again, yeah. Taiwan is quite unique in terms of export versus uh, domestic consumption on the A-shares. And Hong Kong, again, is, uh, is different. It's in slightly more established kind of companies uh, like AIA Group, like uh, Chung Kong, etc. But Hong Kong stands out in terms of the uh, business practices. And also some companies in Hong Kong, they manage to replicate their successful business model from Hong Kong to China, like Hong Kong and China Gas, which we've been a shareholder for many years, and Fytosoy. Uh, which is the soya milk company in Hong, in Hong Kong, which managed to expand into China. And now China accounts for two-thirds of the profit. So we like this kind of like successful business model proven in Hong Kong and trying to replicate that into China.
0: Yeah, and we, we've touched briefly on China A-shares and corporate governance, but the A-shares are being now included in more of the MSCI global indices.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that making a difference? And how much of your Greater China Fund do you commit to, to the A-share market?
1: Yes, uh, that's a, a good uh, question. Um, the, the in terms of the amount of time uh, that we have committed to the Asia is, is actually very very significant. So um, all my team members, myself included, we actually spent um, more than half, I would say, of our time looking at. And uh, discussing Asia market, Asia companies. Uh, We may not have that amount of money invested into the Asia because normally it takes uh, some time for us to convince ourselves on the corporate governance, on the quality, etc. So if you look at the Greater China Growth Fund as of today, it's about 13% of the fund is invested into the Asia market. In total, uh, as a team, we have about 2 billion uh, US dollars invested into the Asia market, and that's out of 25 billion assets. Uh, that we are managing as of today. So again, it's it's a growing market. it's an important market. We are probably devoting more than half of our time within China onto ACS, but it will take time uh, for us to 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 get the uh, confidence. Uh, it is a market which is rewarding. i mean the the number of uh, companies that, that are available on the ACS is just amazing. I mean the the amount of excitement uh, cannot be more if you identify and say, for example, a, an entrepreneur that is really capable, that we can really believe in and that they have a, a sound business plan and and, we, and you can see a lot of potential in 10 years time. I mean, that that's really, really exciting. Um,
0: it would be amiss to have somebody of your experience and local knowledge uh, with us today and not raise the subject of the US-China trade tensions, mm-hmm. trade wars, yeah. however we like to call them. H- how are you seeing that impact? actually on the ground with either companies that you're invested in or, or companies that you might invest in? and mm. Or is that just more of a, a noise that we see on the news or is it, is it actually impacting on the ground?
1: Yeah, well, yes. Um, actually, I mean, the trade war we believe is a uh, huge uh, subject and and we also believe it is go- it is going to be something which would uh, last for many many years. Um, it depends on the uh, you know the uh, you know the dinner between Trump or Xi, Xi Jinping or whatever. Sometimes it can be. Better. Sometimes it can be worse, uh, but our view is that this is going to be. Uh, this relates to two big economies with different kind of value uh, systems and having a conflict. Uh, it may be Huawei today, maybe technology, maybe trade, maybe import tariff. It may be you know something else tomorrow. So so we believe the conflict is not going to go away uh, anytime soon. At the moment, it's Cause having, that's
0: quite interesting because you know. Trump meets with with, with yeah. President. They, they invest, walk yeah. out smiling. Markets yeah. are rally. Yeah. Yeah. The other times when the deadlines run out, and yeah. and he tweets a, something, a tweet something and, yeah. and then markets,
1: you know, can be quite violent across the globe. So yeah. you think this is a. a a multi-year story. Yeah, I think this is a multi-year risk that we need to accept, and and we actually look back to Japan and, and what happened in Japan since uh, 1989. The same thing kind of happened at Japan was a very strong economy then, and there were a lot of conflicts between the Japanese uh, uh, and and also the Americans at that time. Um, the the way that we look at it is first of all, it's clearly negative for the economy. So when you have two largest economies of of the world trying to uh, you know fight against each other, it's bad for global economy, and we've mm. seen that with uh, global. Growth, and we've seen that with uh, uh, bond yields. You know, people expect the, the economy is going to weaken further. Uh, and it's also important for companies if you operate out from China. I mean, I mean, I do have a lot of friends who run factories, etc. The amount of uncertainty uh, that this has introduced, and and you don't even know what tariff is going to be in, introduced anytime soon, and you just defer. Yeah, it's, so it's, a, it's, it's holding back, holding back the capital spending. Capital spending, and you don't. Once that uncertainty yeah, remains. Yeah, and also especially bad for uh, capex, uh, capital investments, and also very bad for smaller companies because you tend to have uh, one or two customers, and and if that one or two customers have are not sure whether they want to place the orders is, is going to affect your whole business. So to, and therefore, you, you might have seen the, the second quarter GDP has been, was the weakest in like 27 years, uh, 6.2%. We're seeing the same thing with, with automobile sales, uh, with retail sales, uh, with uh, truck sales. And you know, a lot of those are, are already happening. So, so I think the, our, our underlying um, uh, case uh, for China, even though we've been saying this for the last uh, you know, 15, 20 years, is that China's growth slowdown is structural. And and I think the the trade war is going to uh, make that happen maybe even sooner. Uh, Yeah.
0: Great. Martin, thank you very much for your time and your comments. Um, Thank you very much for listening. I'm Darius McDermott. And if you'd like more information on the Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe to Fund Calibre. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening. Thank you.